Women on the Line, produced at 3CR, acknowledges the people of the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers, and custodians of the lands from which we broadcast. We pay respect to elders past and present of the Kulin Nation, and we recognise their unceded sovereignty. Welcome back to another episode of Women on the Line, a national feminist current affairs program produced by women and gender non-conforming people at 3CR Community Radio in Nam, Melbourne, on Wurundjeri country of the Kulin Nations. And we're broadcast across the Community Radio Network. And I'm Shahara Sablul. So this week to mark Invasion Day, which was on Thursday 26th of January, we'll, we'll go straight into the speeches from NAM's Invasion Day rally, where we'll hear from Gurnai Kurnai and Gurdjmara woman Mariki Onis and Nunga woman Roxy Moore. Afterwards, we'll hear an interview with Natalie Davey from community radio station Wanky Radio in Fitzroy Crossing, where she'll speak about the impact of the recent flooding in the Kimberley. But first, let's hear the speeches. So we'll hear from Gurnai Kona and Gurdjmara woman, Mariki Onis. Thank you. My name is Mariki Onis, and I'm a black activist with a strong lineage. I come from the Gunai and Gunditjmara people. We come today to protest Invasion Day. We protest today, voice before treaty. But before I go into that, I want to say, I want to thank you, I want to congratulate each and every single one of you who've come out every year since 2015 and the new ones along the way. Today, this year, is the first year the Australia Day Parade will not go ahead. Because of us, because of you, because of our people, this fight, we have stopped the Australia Day Parade. We have fought for these streets, so thank you. I want to dedicate this small win to my dear friend, Viv Milo, who sadly lost her battle with cancer last year. She came out year in, year, year in and year out. She broke the barriers of the first protest when we went into the Australia Day Parade. So this is for you, Viv. Voice before treaty, this protest is not a no protest. We are not here to tell you who and what to vote for. We're here to remind you of our sovereignty and our original demands from day one. We are here to platform the voices of our community, the ones that you won't see in the Australian newspaper. So I ask you to listen and critically engage what we say today, because that will inform tomorrow's vote. We have a political spectrum within our community. Stop polarizing us into a yes and a no. 
for critical and meaningful, respectful opportunities to engage. We demand a treaty. We demand our land back. We demand to stop black death in custody. We demand that you stop stealing our children immediately. We demand the abolition of every prison and every police officer in this country. And we demand reparations so that we can fulfill our sovereign obligation to the last sunset. We are tired of the false optics of Victoria, the progressive state, when Dan Andrews continues to pour billions of dollars into locking up our people. He knows that those funds are killing our people. He makes a political decision every day to kill black fellas. Enough progressives talking over our people. Listen to us. We will continue to fight to our last breath. We will fight for our sovereignty, not beg for crumbs. Love and respect to all here today. Thank you and free Palestine. And that was Gurnai Kurnai and Gurijmara woman, Mariki Onis. Next up, we hear Noongar woman Roxy Moore. just want to pay my respects to this beautiful Wurundjeri country and Bunurong country that we're on. As a Noongar woman, I feel really lucky to live here. Thanks to everyone who organised today as well. For the last 10 years, I've been a lawyer and campaigner and I've been working with young mob right around this so-called Australia where young people have been abused and destroyed by the so-called justice system. Shame! And a bit of a content warning here, we're going to talk about some, some violence from the state. So, I've worked with young people who've been hogtied and sedated up in Queensland prisons, hooded and gassed, hooded and gassed in Dondale in the Northern Territory, held in solitary confinement for weeks on end right here in Victoria, and been abused and denied food and medical treatment in Banksia Hill in Western Australia. And I've been sick to my stomach this week to see the media and politicians going off about Alice Springs. I'm sorry, now they care about Alice Springs? We remember, we remember when Dylan Voller was hooded and gassed in Dondale. We remember, that was 10 years ago now. The NT Royal Commission handed down its findings five years ago. And I'm sorry, the day, the day before Invasion Day, that's when they're flying into Alice Springs and going to do something about it? <laughs> Fuck that. And what do they do? They're giving $14 million to the police. <laughs> the police are the problem. Racist police are the problem. They're the reason that our young mob are locked up. 24 times more than any other young people. And these racist media narratives are exactly the reason that our young people continue to be murdered. Young Cassius, 
in WA. Young Noongar fella, 15 years old, walking home from school, was murdered by racist vigilantes who thought they, he was the one who broke into his home. Justice for Cassius. And these racist narratives are the same one that emboldened racists to drive down and kill Elijah Doherty. It's the same media narratives that makes people feel, racist police feel, that they can shoot down our young people in Yundamu with Kuman Joe Walker. Makes me sick. And I've sat there with those grandmothers in Alice Springs after the NT Royal Commission was handed down. And they would not be asking for money for the fucking police, I can tell you that much. They say kids in country, not in custody. And look, every now and then, with justice reform, you know, you see a glimmer of hope, you see things happen, you see all the deaths in custody families who have fought so hard for justice. We've seen April Day and the Day family recently get the um, public drunkenness abolished. But get this, they did it without any additional police powers. Let's give it up for the Day family. Police and prisons cannot be fixed. They are not broken. They're doing exactly what this colony wants them to. And that's to continue to oppress and murder our people, especially our young people. And that was Noongar woman Roxy Moore speaking at NAM's Invasion Day rally on Thursday, 26th of January. So across these stolen lands now called Australia, you have been listening to Women on the Line, highlighting a range of gender non-conforming and women voices broadcast on the Community Radio Network. Next, we'll hear an interview with Natalie Davey, presenter from Fitzroy Crossing Community Radio Station, Wangi Radio. And she'll be speaking about the impact of the recent flooding in the Kimberley. This conversation was with Women on the Line presenter, Emma Hart. I'm Natalie Davey. I'm from, I'm a broadcaster at Wangi Radio 936 AM in Fitzroy Crossing, which is in the Kimberley. Um, I'm also a Bunaba, which is uh, the river mob from uh, the country I'm on at the moment, and Wamajeti from the Great Sandy Desert, as well as got um, the Cornish and uh, the Scottish that came in for the gold rush uh, once upon a time. <laughs> That's my current role, and yeah, I'm, I'm based at Wongi Radio, which um, it's called Wongi Yubanana uh, <laughs> Buru, um, which means um, sending word so wongi means word in momajeti and it means you know sending out a message and so that was the whole purpose of you know what we're doing at uh, wongi our old people set that up a long time ago because they understood that um, we needed a place where our word um, future crossing has you know um, several different languages that were brought in so we're on bunaba country but we have guniandi wamajeti uh, yigana wonkajunka and um, Yigana and many more that are around here as well as, you know, the Kimberley Creole and Australian Standard English 
it's um, important that everybody is heard in their own languages. We um, get to at least 40 uh, communities that are around the Fitzroy Valley. Dangujara, um, which is the language program I do with my father, is also picked up by PACOM. So we heard um, broadcast right around the Kimberley and into the Pilbara. So yeah, we have quite a wide reach for our local um, community, as well as you know the stuff we've been doing on social media through Facebook and um, our Instagram. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can just uh, speak about the uh, immense events that have been unfolding um, in Fitzroy Crossing and across the Kimberley um, over the last month. Um, so I understand the Fitzroy River peaked at like 15.8 metres on January the 4th. Um, and yeah, are you able to speak a bit about what the flooding was like in Fitzroy Crossing around that week? Oh, yeah. So uh, we're a community in, um, that are used to flood time. Like this is our um, Idlal, which is uh, our wet season in Wamajadi. And one of the things that I hit first was I was getting messages from my niece going, there's water, the water's starting to come into um, the house. Um, we don't know who to call. And like the regular um, numbers weren't answering. I got um, transferred around to... Um, told to ring other numbers and thankfully a regional office in Kununurra rang me back and gave me the person on the ground who um, had been flown in with visa who wasn't really helpful. So what we did was through our own local contacts, we knew um, the current Heads Park Ranger uh, Cooksey and also the Bunaba Rangers. There were two boats. They were the ones who started coming out and were the first responders for us. And that was done through our local networks, which was just incredible. So I just want to give a big, you know, shout out to those heroes who were the first ones out there. Is, and um, there's um, other mob, of course. But then um, most of Bungadi was uh, evacuated by the second. Um, and on the third, you said, you know how you said that it peaked on the fourth. We were evacuated and the last... Um, People in Dalgania were also evacuated. There was about 12 of us um, that were the last to come in. And it was just, it was an inland sea. I'd never like, you know, as Aboriginal people, you orientate wherever you are. And we literally couldn't work out where we were. And like, we're on our own country. And it was really difficult um, to see where we were because we, you know, we were on a boat halfway up the side of um, power lines that we usually drive along, but now we're boating and the water was so rough. It was it was just really disorienting. At my house, it had started coming through the floor by the time they came and got us. And it was, it, the flood had spread out everywhere and then stopped, it couldn't spread anymore. And it just rose so quickly. And that's what caught a lot of us, um, which was just, extremely uh scary and intense what's the situation like in Fitzroy crossing now um it's still hectic but in quite a different way so um for myself uh, and watching my community go around um I had to get a mental health plan in place for myself because we it was one of the main things that you kind of need first up or when you've been displaced is quite difficult is just sleeping. So everybody is still kind of on high alert. So, you know, that fight, flight, 
worried about your life and being um, moved, um, learning how to just, um, well, one of the things is contracting all my muscles and as I let them go, breathe out to tell my body I'm safe, I can sleep. Um, and but now it's just sort of um, waiting and all and the biggest thing that Wongi does is uh, try to channel some of that information because a part of um, not knowing is um, more triggers of like I don't know if I can get home when I can get home what does that look like what does cleanup look like um, at, at people who evacuated um, and they can't get home are worried that you know stuff is going to be thrown out without the permission or if stuff they want to keep and try and recover the information on what, um, how we could recover stuff if it's possible at all. And that's kind of been sort of my main focus from, um, you know, that evacuation, like where is the right information for the current time to help with people's angst and just like, you know, we know our houses are damaged. We know it's going to be some time, but just knowing what that process is will help with that anxiety. So yeah, it's a lot. Um, we get so many visits by different ministers and things like that. It's like, okay, can you, um, you need to bring, like, from the first community meeting, um, put up all the points that still are getting cranked slowly and not communicated through all the, was the red tape and bureaucracy. I think that's the first time I've said that correctly. It's just ridiculous for um, communities going through crisis. Like if that happens, whether it's a flood fire, then, you know, I'm heartbroken for everybody who has to go through that and it needs to be improved a lot. So, yeah, there's, there's still a lot. It's hard to narrow in on. I understand almost 300 people were evacuated across the central Kimberley and that some people by helicopter, like, um, and uh, that perhaps um, maybe a bit less now, but until quite recently, around 150 people were staying in the small port town of Derby. So that's northwest on the coast. Um, but the road, um, yep. the Great Northern Highway, uh, which connects, is um, out at the moment. And also the Fitzroy Crossing Bridge is very damaged. Um, and so there's real uncertainty around, um, well, firstly, supplies are an issue um, and also people are still waiting for news, as you mentioned, about their homes. Are you able to speak about, um, you know, the people who are evacuated and waiting to come home? Um, again, it all is about that um, not getting the information um, uh, quick enough, not being able to have a um the outside services not um, establishing those lines of communication with um, local organization, who's on the ground, um, who can talk for each community to be able to um, communicate back to their own mob, depending on where they are, um, which has follow on effects for, um, you know, people in Derby, people who live in um, Broome as well. So a lot of it comes down to just not having the correct information when we need it. So as for food, there is regular food coming in. So for the west side, which is where Fitro Township is, that's coming via Derby and um, by, being brought by barge and then trucking it this way. 
uh, food for the other side, um, for the east side is coming from trucks from Kananara stuff. And now on that side, there has been a um, ambulance and police and uh, sort of town services set up as well as, you know, the clinic and things so they can operate, but we are operating quite separately. So, you know, there's this constant thing of all the, I'm not in the east or on the west side, on the east side, and it's like, hold on, we are just one community. So um, having that separation is uh, difficult as well. Um, it's just really difficult to know when you're going to get, you know, your house assessment, when you can possibly come home to have a look. So, you know, what it looked like when it left. Um, I was able to go in with the rapid assessment team. Um, I think it was last Tuesday by helicopter and was able to at least take a photo of each of my community's houses so I could give to my family. Um, so it, but the information is in dribs and drabs and that's what is, I think is the hardest for people just not knowing and being displaced and um, it's really difficult. And so a lot of the issues um, do come down to communication, uh, whether the lines of it or how um, information is put out. So the first community meeting that we had at the rec center, which is our um, oval and town hall, um, everybody stood up to say that they wanted wonky as the line of communication because, you know, that's our local system. So one of the issues that we, oh, one, there's quite a few things that we've had um, issues with. So one, we're not, um, yeah, we're not funded as a emergency broadcaster. So all of our um, equipment and Things are quite outdated. We don't have the ability to be able to switch the um, transmitter over um, remotely. And that causes problems because uh, Wongi Studio is on the west side, so in the township where our transmitter is out near Eight Mile on the east side. So for us to be able to go and fix that, we need to organize with DFIS an unknown time to be able to be um, dropped off by helicopter. Our manager gets dropped off, um, left there um, to fix the problem, but then he also doesn't have a time when he can be picked up. It's not a regular, you know, drop you off, wait with you. They've got things that they need to do. So it really makes it quite difficult for us to maintain um, broadcasting. So for example, in the last seven days, we've been hit by lightning four times, which is just adds to quite a lot of the stress with um, working <laughs> remotely and in these con conditions. So yeah, it's in um, time-wise, like it's so hectic um, on the ground each day with just um, <clears throat> compiling information or um, all the different things. And then me, if I am, like someone who is affected by floods, can I get home? Is the creek down enough so I can get home with the correct PPE to reduce moisture in my house so I don't lose everything to mold? Like there's there's a lot. Mm, it sounds as though um, Wongi Radio is a community radio station. Um, as, you know, a station that's not funded as an emergency broadcaster, it seems to be clearly the role um, that you're fulfilling at the current time. Um, and that's really amazing to do that with such limited resources, but not necessarily the way it should be. No. Yeah. Mm. And like the bulk of our stuff, um, 
have been are all affected by flood waters. So uh, three of us who are in there all have um, can't go back to our home. So Ronita, my, myself, my dad, and we're all from different communities. Ronita, who's in town, um, the water came up so high, it went through her house and she's in a wheelchair. And the difficulties with that are just, um, you know, uh, just, uh, it's ridiculous. Like it just adds for everybody. So she's in a wheelchair that um, gives her um, bad back issues and stuff and just trying to work out how to get that replaced or how they bring it in is just... It adds layers to all the other layers. Mm. Yeah. Layers of mud, let's call it that. Extraordinarily challenging. For people in the cities who might be listening in places that have not been impacted, what's mm. the best thing that we can do to support you right now? Well, the best thing to support us is to be able to give to the, um, donate to our community a fund so um Manawandagura or Manin Women's Resource Center has a a fundraiser set up um which is um 100% of that I know will go to the community and it will be done in a structured way as in we'll know every single house uh working with Bunaba to you know go through um each household we know who's there we can work out exactly what they've lost I mean in my community things like every single white good uh went under I'm I'm five four and it almost my entire height went um of water went through my niece's house and we couldn't get into it because everything had been pushed towards the door um as well like and everything floats it was amazing but um yeah because with other donations we still don't have um post um, available no mail is we have no word on when um, postage is coming in in normal floods after three days if we're cut off the road is cut off it's airlifted in we don't have that um, and it, we're what 23 odd days into it so sending care packages all those kind of things we don't have the capacity or storage to be able to manage it so that's why donating to those funds really helps um, for us, for when we can start um, looking at how we can get back or when we can get back and how we start rebuilding. I know it will be a very um, structured and um, checking in with what people actually need. But, you know, trust the um, community, um, you know, watch Woggy. Um, we can, we'll let you know when we have more capacity or to be able to receive um, actual things if you're wanting to send clothes or whatever. It's just, but also listen for what's requested. Um, yeah, there's there's a whole lot of things. So all of that just, we're just not at that stage yet. Where, where can people find the information about the fundraiser um, if they would like to donate? Well, so you can check out the Wongi uh, page. So on Facebook and Instagram, we do have um, connections to that. But um, Manawandagura uh, Women's Resource Centre um, has has links on that website. So, but if you put um, Women's Resource Centre in Fitra, you'll find um, Manawandagura or Manan for short. Um, and Wongi has there's lots of there's lots of messages that have been coming in um, from like um, Bangara uh, mob dance, uh, Nikki Winmar mob from the West Coast Eagle, and in all of those posts there is a link to Manan as well. Like they they've just been beautiful to 
receive those and share them with our community. I mean, thank you so much for being generous with your time when uh, everything is so hectic up there at the moment and speaking with me today, Natalie. Is there anything you'd like to add before we wrap up the interview today? Or um, uh, Just that, you know, I'm here to support um, local radio. <laughs> that's uh, the bombardment of, like, media that's been there. I, You know, I'm going to advocate for community media every time um, because I've just, you know, this has just heightened the importance of our own um, media, our own radio on local stuff. And you were listening to Natalie Davey from Community Station Wangi Radio in Fitzroy Crossing, speaking about the impact of the recent flooding in the Kimberley with Women on the Line presenter Emma Hart. To support community-led recovery, you can visit mwrc.com.au forward slash pages forward slash donations or you can go to the Wangi Radio website www.wangi so spelled w-a-n-g-k-i dot org dot a-u and we'll have all these details up on our show notes on the website